When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. Monday means, of course, EJ Raddick from the NHL Network. You can see him 4 to 6 Eastern on NHL Now. How are you, buddy? Everything good? I'm good. I'm good post-Super Bowl Sunday. I was down in Philly, actually, early in the day for the Kraken and Flyers. And the fans were all getting excited for the Super Bowl. And, uh... You know, disappointing end, certainly for the Philly fans, but uh, what a good game. And uh, onward we march. Yeah, not too many people in New York feel bad for Philadelphia losing, I can tell no, you that. But, no, no, no. But we march on. Is it you, you were down in Philly. I mean, Seattle almost had a completely wasted time on the East Coast, uh, swinging in, losing to the Islanders, Devils, Rangers, and finally salvaging a game against Philadelphia. And they kind of came back down to earth a little bit after what's been a really fun kind of up and down season but a wide open Pacific division and it was good for Seattle to be able to snag two points at the end of their trip yeah that was a really important win for Seattle there's no question about it it's been a a tough start to the second half and the what has gone on uh, you know on the strip so an important win Uh, they hung out at the end it got a little dicey at the end they were up two. Patrick Brown scores like a kind of bad angle, shorthanded goal. You get it to 4-3 late, and then the Flyers had a number of chances in the final minute. And give Seattle credit, they blocked a ton of shots. Matty Beniers blocked one off his, I believe it was his right knee, and he was hobbling off the ice and also in the locker room after the game when I was in there. So, um, But give them credit, they found a way to hold on and win the game. And that Pacific Division, I mean, that's the path, I guess. You know, if you want to get to the conference finals or get to the final. I mean, that's the path you want to be in, in the Pacific, and it's really wide open. I mean, I guess we'll see what people do at the trade deadline. We've heard all these rumors about Jacob Chickren being moved, and yeah. you know, he could be moved right as we speak, for all we know. But, uh, you know, the teams in that division, some of those teams are in the mix in regards to Chickren. So we'll see how it plays out, but a uh, huge win for Seattle. Well, you're talking about trades, huge trade for the Rangers. I did get it in on the on the Friday podcast. I thought it was a, a terrific deal for the Rangers. It is a rental, but you get to be able to only have to pay half of his salary. And I don't think you really gave up too much to be able to get what could really be a missing piece. It, it's a winger, someone that could play on multiple lines, help on the power play. I really think the Rangers did a good job getting Tarasenko. What did you think? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, they were in a great position, too, because, remember, they made that trade with Niels Lundqvist at the start of the year to get a second first-round pick, right? So that gave them some, you know, a position of strength in terms of trading away a first-rounder. They still get to hold on to one. Um, You know, Sammy Blay was really not a big factor for the Rangers. Unfortunately, he got hurt early in his tenure with New York, and I don't believe he ever scored a goal as a Ranger. Well, he did no. score one for the Blues in his first game back. So uh, you yeah, know, crazy, right? Play and and hopefully he'll you know that uh, you know hopefully he'll continue to get healthier from that injury, which was a pretty significant injury that he suffered last season. 
Um, but yeah, I agree with you. They didn't give up a lot. They get a the guy that can score. Brought some life to the team immediately on Friday night. Kind of crazy. Scored right off the hop in that game against Seattle. Uh, it gives Jordan Gallant more options. It makes them a deeper group. I think adding Nikola is another big plus. So uh, yeah, I think it was a great move for for Chris Drury. And now we'll see what happens with uh, with Kravtsov, who apparently is once again asked to be moved out. Chris Drury is under no obligation to do that, so right. we'll see what he decides to do. But, uh, you know, I like the Rangers roster, Donnie. At the start of the season, I picked them to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, you know, it's, listen, you pick a lot of teams, sometimes they win, sometimes they go bad. But I do like their roster. I don't know if they're going to be able to win. I don't know if they're going to be able to to beat, uh, you know, if they get New Jersey, for example, in the first round. The Devils are really good. Uh, you know, if they get Boston or Tampa or Toronto, those teams are good. So it's a hard path, but I, I goalie's good. The defense is good. It's deep, and the forward group is really uh, is deep as well. So I think they have good chances as anybody. Yeah, and then you look at this team. They've won five in a row, and they've scored four or more goals in all five of them. And it's not like they've played perfect hockey. Uh, but the offense, I think, has obscured some ills. But that's kind of how you win in the regular season in this league now, by like outscoring your opponent as significantly as you can. Not sure it's going to work in the postseason, but they've got something special going on here. They beat a Carolina team. Think about what happened on Saturday. Rangers had to play the night before, travel to Carolina. Carolina is sitting on a seven-game winning streak, unbeaten in 10, hadn't played since February 1st. And Halak is in goal for the Rangers. There were so many things working against them, and yet they still win the game going away. Came back from a deficit as well. I mean, that was a pretty impressive win. Now 2-0 against Carolina, just six points back at first place. I mean, right now the Rangers are playing some of the best hockey in the NHL. Yeah, very impressive win over Carolina, no question. I would say that the Carolina Hurricanes not playing for 10 days probably worked in the Rangers' favor a little bit. But, as you mentioned, second of a back-to-back for the Rangers – Played a couple of games this week, uh, playing their number two goaltender, who, have, by the way, has been very hot and has kind of turned it around this year uh, as, as, as during his stint here with the Rangers. So, uh, yeah, it's a really good win for them, and now they, they're out west, and we'll see how things go from there. But, uh, you know, I like their group, but I'll be curious to see if Chris Drury has anything else to the mix. But, uh, you know, when you look at their team and break down their roster, they have all the things in place uh, to really make a push. Yeah, I think help on the fourth line is what they're probably really looking for um, because you'd like to be able to rotate four lines. I'm not sure in a big spot they can do that. So you're probably going to rely on your top nine. So we'll see if they do make another deal for a forward. I think Mikola was something I think was kind of lost in that deal. Uh, I think he's a pretty significant player on that blue line because now they have seven defensemen. Hayek wasn't playing at all. So Harper could jump in if you do experience some injuries. So getting depth on that blue line, we've talked about it so many times, EJ. You're going to get injuries. You're going to get guys that are going to hurt during the course of the season. Rangers, fortunately, haven't had to worry about that. But you start losing defensemen, especially in a playoff series, it can cost you. No question about it. You never have enough defensemen. I learned that from Bob Ganey when he was the manager of the Dallas Stars years and years ago in the 90s. And you're always looking to add defensemen and, you know, just make sure you're covered there. I mean, if if key guys get hurt, it's hard to replace them. But it's just nice to have guys at least you can put in as NHL caliber defensemen. And so, uh, you know, they were, I thought, you know, I thought they were, they'd been pretty happy with Harper. They signed him to a contract after his, uh, you know, early stint here with the Rangers and now they've added Nikola so that pushes Harper down a little bit but you're right he can jump back in if need be and uh, you know I wouldn't be surprised if Chris didn't add another veteran 
depth defenseman just to to carry on the group if there's if there's somebody that fits who's available at the right at the right price. So uh, you never have enough of them. And the Rangers D is really it's hard to play against right now. I mean, outside of Adam Fox, I mean Fox and Lindgren are, are a terrific pair. Obviously, Fox the Norris Trophy winner and Norris candidate again. This year, he works really well with Ryan Lindgren, who's a, a battler. But, you know, you look at the other guys on the, on the, in that group, they're all big, long, strong guys. I mean, uh, you know, Miko's like 6'5", Miller is big, Truba's a hard hitter. Uh, you know, they, uh, you know, this is the Reno Schneider's a big kid. They're not easy to play against back there now. And when you look at Stanley Cup champions, and especially in recent vintage, you know, teams that have big, long, Strong defenseman is certainly something that uh, is another ingredient to the mix. Uh, the Devils lose Jack Hughes week to week with an upper body injury. He did make the trip, didn't play against Minnesota. Not sure how long he's going to be out, EJ. Does this affect the aggressiveness of the Devils at the deadline to add another forward? I don't think it should. I mean, I think they're either going to do it or they're not. I mean, like they're, 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 they've been linked pretty significantly to Timo Meyer. And uh, we will see maybe just because of the fact that, uh, you know, a Swiss player and Nico Heischer, there's a connection there. They also have Siegenthaler with the Devils. So, you know, maybe it's as simple as that. He seems like he'd be a good fit with the Devils. But, you know, the Devils have the assets, I think, to make that deal if and when they want to make it. Hard to know exactly who else is in the mix for Meyer, what the other offers are. But I don't think that use the situation affects whether or not they get they go after a guy like Meyer or a guy like Brock Besser, for that matter. I think they're going to either do it or they're not going to do it. I think you, they said week to week. Lindy Ruff was thinking it would be sooner on that end of the time spectrum than later. I don't think they want to be in any rush. They're in a pretty good spot. I think, you know, they lost the shootout to Minnesota the other night, so I think that makes them like 10-1-2 and two in their last 13. They've been playing some really good hockey. Uh so I think you got to be cautious with Jack Hughes. Make sure he's really healthy before he comes back. Hopefully that's the case, and then we'll see if you know if Tommy Fitz adds uh, adds another piece to the puzzle. But certainly, uh, you know Meyer's name has been out there in discussions for a lot of teams, and we'll see if the Devils are one of the teams who can make it happen. Yeah, you kind of want to keep up with the Joneses, right? You see the Rangers pull off a deal, maybe make another one. What kind of pressure does this put on Carolina? I know they're looking for a center. Not easy to find, yeah. obviously, but certainly a need for them if they want to try to get over that hump. Yeah, yeah, Carolina, I mean, that's, I, I think that's a, that's a specific need. When you look at Carolina, you, you, know, you really do say, hey, that's, that's an area that they could use help. And, you know... Could have been Horvat. He gets moved to the Islanders. Maybe it'll be Ryan O'Reilly. Maybe it'll be you know. Maybe it'll be Jonathan Tays. Maybe they go in bigger. Maybe it's maybe it's somebody like Dylan Larkin if the Red Wings feel like they can't move forward in signing Dylan Larkin. So um, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But I mean, then they could be in the mix for a team with Meyer too. They could be you know maybe get Meyer and move somebody around. And so I'll be curious to see what the what the Carolina Hurricanes do because they have a really good team too, as we know. They've had a great season, but that's a specific need for that team, and they have cap room with the uh, injury to Pacioretty that gives them LTI room, LTIR room. So after the Rangers get Tarasenko, uh, Kane seemed like he was very, very disappointed when he was asked about not being able to go to the Rangers. So I'm kind of curious, especially if Meyer goes to New Jersey, you know, where does Patrick Kane end up? Well, I was talking to some people yesterday. They seem to 
echo what we've heard in, in the reports that the Dallas Stars have a real interest and I think they have a really good team in Dallas and Patrick Kane could be a really good fit there. I think um, I think Vegas is another team that really could use someone like Patrick Kane could put them, you know, in even a better situation, especially with the injury to Mark Stone. So um, I think those are the two that come to mind right away. But there's also the chance that Patrick Kane just decides that, uh, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna finish the season in Chicago. I'm going to go with an unrestricted free agency in July, and then I'm going to make a decision from there. He's talked about, you know, there's been a lot of speculation about this hip injury that uh, he's been dealing with. He says that, you know, I'm healthier than I was last year, but... You know, maybe he wasn't very healthy last year, so maybe that's a low bar to get over. Who knows? But <laughs> that's um, right. You know, I think at the end of the day, I, I think at the end of the day, Don, Patrick Kane has won three cups, so it's not like he's chasing a Stanley Cup in his career. He's had three. Uh, he's still a really effective player, especially when he's healthy. I, I would think. You know, again, this is just speculation on my part. I mean, I would not be in that much of a rush to move, especially with the young family to move to some place where I don't know if I'm staying, you know, to move to Dallas, case a cup, knowing maybe that the Dallas Stars can't sign me to an extension. So, still thinking about, I guess he was disappointed about the Rangers, although, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't been that forthcoming about any of this stuff, except with that comment about the Tarasenko deal, which let us know that he was kind of looking at the Rangers in that situation. But, you know, if you're the Rangers, it might have, the price tag just might have been too high. And uh, in the end, as we just discussed, I mean, they made a really good deal to get Tarasenko. And he's, you know, so maybe that was, you know, that was the better play. And they were able to get a big defenseman as well. So, you know, we'll see what happens with Patrick Kane. But I do think Dallas is the front runner at this stage with the Rangers kind of out of the mix. And then maybe Vegas is a team that I think mm-hmm. he fits. And then... It's always intriguing to think in the future is could he end up back in his hometown of Buffalo at some point as the Sabres have kind of changed their fortunes, it seems. I did talk to Kevin Adams last week, and you know, in, he's not going to talk about that kind of thing. But in, in talking to him, it did sound like, didn't sound like it was a front burner thing for the Sabres. It sounds like you know, they're trying to build and move forward with the players in the age window that they have. But I would think if he gets unrestricted free agency, he might kick the tires on him because he is a hometown guy. And he's still a really good player, and he brings winning experience back to the to a Sabres franchise that's uh, starting to move in the right direction with a lot of good people. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Kind of curious about Detroit. I'm going to get a chance to see them tonight there in Vancouver to take on the Canucks. They've got 54 points, so they're right now seven back of Pittsburgh with a game in hand. And if you look to Washington, who's got the first wild card at 62, they're eight back, but four games in hand on the Capitals. Now, they're sitting on Dylan Larkin, 
that they could easily move, I would think, for something nice, significant back. But can they play themselves into talking themselves into keeping Larkin and maybe trying to be aggressive at the deadline and see if they can't sneak into the playoffs for the first time in a long time? Well, you know, Dylan Larkin is really a unique character, and the Detroit situation with Larkin is really interesting because, I mean, he's a hometown guy, obviously, from the state of Michigan, and he's somebody they've drafted and developed. He's their captain. Um, you know, they've been rebuilding. You would think that he would be part of that moving forward, and he would sign a new deal moving forward. But Steve Eisenman is, uh, you know, he's always close to the vest with these things, and he's rebuilding that franchise, and maybe in his mind, he sees Dylan Larkin at one price. It was kind of similar to what happened with Steven Stamkos and Steve Eisenman years ago. If you remember, Stamkos went almost almost to the free agent day, and that was during that, you know, the, it was during that window where you could talk to other teams, and Stamkos actually talked to a couple of other teams. In fact, he went to Toronto, and the word was that after he left Toronto, he was like, you know what, I'd rather just stay in Tampa because... You know, I have it good there. You know, it's a great market. I have a great owner. I have great players around me. And I won't have as much uh, other things swirling. Like, you go to Toronto, and he's a, a local guy there. I mean, he's constantly in demand. So, and in the end, he came back, and they did a deal. And I think I, he, he ended up signing for the number that Eisenman was interested in signing him. So, I don't know if it's going to play out that way with Larkin. Um, I think Detroit would have to get something really significant. Uh, to trade Larkin at this stage, even though he can be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. I think certainly, like for Carolina, I think he could be a terrific addition for that team behind Ajo as a second center with the speed he possesses and the kind of game that Carolina likes to play. I mean, it could be a, a terrific fit to them, but, you know, I, I just I have a hard time thinking that that's, you know, that he's going to get moved um, and that's not going to get worked out in some way, but you know, I'm not in Dylan Larkin's camp. Maybe he's asking for a lot more money than Steve Eisman is willing to offer. And I think Steve Eisman is trying to position himself to be there if Austin Matthews goes on the market two years from now. And and he's got a lot of young players there that he's got to worry about signing down the road, too. So that may all play into this for Steve Eisman. Hard to, you know, again, he doesn't say much, but these are the, the things that you can... You know, when you talk to people around the Red Wings or you speculate about the possible motives, Steve is very aware of the big picture of the cap and when to be able to strike. And if you're capped out, when a big player like that has the potential to come out on the market, you can't even get in the game. So, you know, those are the things that kind of swirl around it. But, uh, you know, when a guy's not signed to this stage, he's not signed. And that means that uh, anything is possible, so we'll have to wait and see. And you're right, the Red Wings are still kind of hovering around the periphery of this wild card chase. You know, they'd have to show me a little bit more. They'd have to put together a stretch because they haven't really been able to do it. And I was out to see them a couple of weeks ago in, in Detroit and talked to a couple of the coaches there, talked to Alex Tanga that used to work with us at NHL Network, and, you know, that's been the battle that they're still looking to put together the pieces to be consistent, and they have to play, you know, the coach himself, Derek Lalonde, said we have to play at a high level every night to have a chance to be successful in this league based on the, the, the personnel we have right now. Now, both conferences are pretty wide open as far as winning a cup, but the East seems to have a lot more elite teams, right? Uh, you have to have say that <clears throat> that Boston is the best team in the NHL, even though they've slowed just a little bit, but you, you expect that. Carolina's playing elite hockey. New Jersey now at 73 points. 
You look at the West, though, EJ, there's 10 points separating the first playoff team and the last playoff team. And if you throw Calgary in, who's on the outside looking in with 60 points, same uh, as the last playoff spot, which is possessed by Minnesota, you're talking about nine teams separated by just 10 points. I think Dallas is the best team in the conference, but how wide open is this? And could there be a myriad of teams that could represent the West in the final? I I think there could be a lot of teams because, like, Edmonton, because of the power they have at the top of their top of their roster is dangerous, right? And they've been on a good run. Now, they lost to Montreal the other day. They're coming off, a, I think it was an overtime or shootout loss to Philly, so it's a little bit of a slide for the Oilers. But, I mean, I, I think they were on such a good run it was due to kind of slip the other way a little bit. But, you know, Kane coming back helps them. Um, I think they've added some pieces along the way that have been helpful. The goaltending, I think, has been better and more consistent this year than it was last year. McDavid's just been out of this world. Drysaddle's been great. They got four guys down there that could get to 100 points this year. I mean, that right. to me is, I don't know, I don't remember a team that had 400 point scores. I, I mean, it's probably happened because we had all those high scoring teams in the 80s, and, but I'd have to really think about it. So, um, the LA Kings, I mean, they've been in the mix apparently for Jacob Chickren. We'll see. I mean, that's been, that, that's been being rumored now for two days that he's going somewhere, but I like LA's team. Like, they're a team that matches up pretty good against Edmonton because they're strong through the middle with Kopitar and Janot. Um, you know, but they've got a little bit of a goal. You know, again, like, you know, Edmonton's goalies have been okay, you know. LA's goalies, especially with Phoenix Copley, has been good, but I mean, you know, in a playoff series, these guys are going to find their way. Um, you know, Seattle, I just saw them yesterday in Philly. I mean, you know, they're a competitive team. Um, you know, uh, Vegas is hot again, although now they lost Logan Thompson. But Aiden Hill is a pretty good goalie. They did. Lord Brissois comes up from the minors and plays well. Um, you know, are they going to make a deal to add another piece? Um, you know, that's a team that when they're healthy, they're very good. But, you know, they're not going to be healthy with Mark Stone out of the lineup for, for quite a while, it seems. So, you know, and then you mentioned Dallas. I like Dallas' team, but at the end of the day, you know, are they going to get another piece? I think they're just kind of one piece short right now in some ways. Winnipeg's been good this year. Colorado is defending champs. I mean, if they ever get everybody healthy, you know, yeah. they're a force still. They may still be the very best team in the West when everybody's healthy, and they may have everybody healthy come playoff time. Gabriel Landeskog might be back, you know, before the playoffs, they're hoping. And hopefully, you know, McCarr got dinged up. Uh, the other night when he got hit in the head by Jeff Carter on a kind of a play around the net and he missed a couple of games. Hopefully he's back and, and playing well doesn't have any long-term issues. But, I mean, they're a team that clearly could still, you know, run run the table and win the West and maybe win the Cup again if they're healthy. So I think the West is just kind of crazy. The East is crazy in a different way because, like you said, there's a lot of really good teams. In the West, there's a lot of teams that have question marks but have the potential to take off. I just did a quick look because the first team I thought of that could have four 100-point producers would be Edmonton. So I went back to the 85-86 season when Gretzky had 215 points. They had four. Not sure if it's the only team, but they had four 100-point producers. Can you name them? Uh, Let's see. Uh, Gretzky, how about Coffee? There you go. Coffee was two at 138. How about Curry? Curry was three at 131. Now the question is, would it be Messier? I'd say Messier. No, Messier had 84. Glenn Anderson, 102. Uh, 
Yeah, I, that would have been the guy. That would have been the two guys right there, Anderson and Messier. Son of a yeah. gun. In case you're oh, curious, Mark Napier was sixth with 56. Oh. <laughs> Paul Coffey, I think, had 100 points and 100 penalty minutes that year. Yeah, like, you're right. Crazy number of penalty minutes. 138 points, 120 penalty minutes. Wow. Yeah. Paul Coffey had a lot more fights than people remember. Yeah. As you think Paul Coffey, you don't think of him fighting. He had a lot of fights. For, for Paul Coffey, like when you think back on it. So, anyway. He's a great one, no question. Yeah. Yeah. Great team. And, and, yeah. and you're a great teammate too, EJ. Uh, you're the best, Donnie. Thank you. Thank you so much. I want much. you to enjoy your day. I and want we'll you to enjoy week. your day. You're in Vancouver. It's beautiful. You get to see yeah, it's the my birthday today. The Canucks tonight. Your birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah, the double nickel. 32 years of age. 32 <laughs> years of age. Congratulations. <laughs> Uh, listen, the numbers are the same, just not three. It's five, but that's okay. Yeah, I'm still younger than you. Still <laughs> that's right, and you always will be. <laughs> All right, buddy. I'll baby. talk to you next week. Listen, happy birthday, and uh, have a great day in Vancouver. And, yeah, we'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Take care. That's the great, and I mean great, EJ Raddick. Catch him on the NHL Network Monday through Friday, 4 to 6. He also does some of their showcase games on the weekends. Does great play, great analysis, and... He's definitely a guy we have on every Monday. And as we get closer to the deadline on March 3rd, and believe it or not, it's getting closer and closer. We only got the 27 days in February, so we're going to be jumping on this pretty quick. So by the time we talk to him next week, it'll be already the 20th, and we're already seeing deals. You know, Tarasenko to the Rangers, Horvat to the Islanders. Looks like Chikrin any minute now. Maybe while you're listening to this, you already know, could be going to the Los Angeles Kings. So a lot of teams aren't going to want to wait, you know, because it's so wide open. You want to try to take advantage of these players coming over with as many games left in the regular season as possible. Again, the West, 10 points separating first place Dallas and the last wild card spot, Minnesota. You throw Calgary in, that's nine teams within 10. You know, Minnesota's got 52 games played. Dallas has 54. So think about it. You know, they're 10 points back at Dallas with two games in hand. They win those two games in hand. They're just six points back. And that just could be a bad week for Dallas where they can find themselves battling from first place in the Central Division and now being the second wild card. I mean, that's how crazy the Western Conference is. So if you're going to make a deal, Dallas, the sooner you make it, the better. You wait till March 3rd. It might be too little too late. So we'll keep an eye on that one. So EJ will be joining us. We'll get some other people as well. Uh, We do have five games on the docket tonight. The Flames will be at the Ottawa Senators. Calgary needs every point they can get. Forsberg looks like he's going to be out a while, taking off on a stretcher with an injury uh, the other day. So Ottawa loses their number one goaltender. So we'll see if the Flames can take advantage of that. Nashville needing a win. They're going to be home against Arizona. Nashville battling for that final playoff spot. They've got 56 points. They're four back of Minnesota, but they got two games in hand on the Wild. They've only played 50 games, so Nashville just playing their 51st tonight. Uh, The Wild home for the Panthers. Panthers still with a shot. We'll see what they do at the deadline. Is the Panthers kind of lurking 58 points, three points back of Pittsburgh? However, this will be their 56th game. So right now, as we speak, Pittsburgh's played three less, but the same amount as Washington, 55 points, and they're just four back of Washington. So big game tonight. 
Uh, the Islanders in between Florida and Pittsburgh. The Islanders hit a bit of a skid, losing a couple in a row, including overtime loss to Montreal. A lot of controversy around that one. Uh, was uh, Matherson off uh, side, and I know the Islander fans were screaming about it, but uh, I thought it was too close to call, so they went with the original call on the ice, obviously, since the play continued for no offside. I'll be in uh, Vancouver, as I am now. I'll be out the game. Canucks playing host to the Red Wings, and we just outlined Detroit trying to see if they can't uh, find their way back into this playoff race. And Buffalo, same thing. They're in Los Angeles against the Kings. So every one of these games tonight has some sort of playoff implications, as is going to be uh, the rest of the way. Tuesday, slew of games as well. So we're looking forward to that. I'll have the call on Wednesday uh, when the Rangers take on the Canucks to start this Western swing. They already won game one of this four-game road trip in Carolina back on Saturday with Panarin getting the hat trick and ended up with four goals. Went nine games without scoring a goal, and then he scores four in one night to be the first-place Hurricanes. So now they'll play the Western Canadian portion uh, Wednesday in Vancouver, Friday, Edmonton, Saturday in Calgary before they come back uh, next Monday, a week from today at home against the Winnipeg Jets. So the Rangers taking on a lot of Western Conference teams here uh, down the stretch, and then they'll start to really hunker down against the the Eastern teams. They'll have a, a game in Detroit on Thursday and then in Washington on Saturday, which will be on national television. So there's a lot of hockey, a lot of movement. It's going to be a lot of fun down the stretch. So I'll be joining you from Vancouver on Wednesday for our next podcast, and we'll really dive into the social media, get your requests and get your questions in and demands and all that at at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. We will definitely do that from the arena on Wednesday. The best way to get in touch with me, obviously, is at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct, so we can talk uh, before the show on Wednesday. This was a lot of fun. Thanks to Anthony Pusick. Thanks to EJ Raddick. Talk to you again on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition, live from Vancouver, of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.